Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hello, hockey world. Today is Wednesday, March 29th, 2017. I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology and I have a big announcement. It's a oh. really big announcement. I'm taking a nap after the show. I'm sick, man. <laughs> and I'm Michael Agello, and I'm too busy to take a nap, and this is the Hockey Buzzcast here on HockeyBuzz.com. Uh, Russ, there were a bunch of games last night in the NHL that had some playoff consequence. Some teams were eliminated. Some teams carry on in their pursuit of the of a playoff spot. We'll discuss that all in the next hour. Um, starting off with my neck of the woods, at least the team that I cover, the Toronto Maple Leafs, who won a 4-2 decision over the Florida Panthers uh, at the ACC on Tuesday. Um, after wins by Tampa and Carolina and the Islanders narrowed the field in the Eastern Conference, the Leafs responded in kind. Uh, Austin Matthews scores his 35th goal of the year. That not only uh, sets the record for Leafs rookies, uh, eclipsing Wendell Clark's mark from 1986, 85-86, um, but also puts him ahead of Patrick Laine for the NHL goal-scoring lead. And the funny thing is, Russ, I keep hearing people say, well, I might have to vote for Laine because he's scored, scoring more. If they look at the standings, Matthews has more goals. He has more goals. He plays a tougher position. Right now, unless something drastic happens, he is a slam dunk to win the award. Yeah. Yes. I, I mean, I, I think it'll be a contest, and I think if – Line A, barely, barely. Yeah, I think I think Line A. If Line A lights it up at the end and scores, four, it'll help. It'll help. But if the Leafs make the playoffs and he scores thirty-seven goals or thirty-eight goals, I can't see people voting against him, and I can't see uh, writers taking votes away from him to vote tough for other Leafs like William Nylander or, or, Mitch, or Mitch Marner. So I agree. Yeah. Now uh, the game last night. And I mean, we won't go too long on this, but there were a couple, a couple really strange uh, things happening in this game. First of all, this isn't strange. Florida, for the first half of the game, did not show up. They were comatose. Now they had played three games in four nights, and I understand end of the season, your playoff chances are are very slim. But and they had, they had played last night in Buffalo and really didn't show up there. But going into that game, there was just no pulse there. And then James Reimer gets hit by Brian Boyle accidentally, gets knocked out of the game. You know, unfortunately for James Reimer, he's had a history of concussion problems. This one was very similar to the Gianta collision from years ago. He leaves the game, Red O'Bara comes in, and all of a sudden the Panthers are awake, and they score a goal, and they and they give a pretty good accounting of themselves the rest of the game, although there was a shorthanded goal. But they, they were at least alive. But, Russ, I, you know, I don't, I don't get this team. I really don't get them. They really – they're tough because we didn't like the switch over on D. Then they had all the injuries. They managed to sort of stay alive during that. They got all their guys back. Now they're not going to be 100%. We know that. But they haven't shown much. And to me – and I like Marsha Salt. I remember when he was a Ranger, I wanted them to keep him. But at the end of the day, if, if that's your big biggest success, if he's your, hey, we signed Marsha Salt, that was great. If that's your – you know, the best thing you can say about this season – then it's a failure. And Tom Rowe, and this wasn't yesterday. This was apparently, well, it was it was uh, Tuesday morning. 
um, said this about his team, and and this is the thing that's confusing. He says just because guys, and I'm assuming he means have contracts, meaning the player, the core players they've signed, doesn't mean they can't get traded either. Uh, they've got to perform. Uh, last night in Buffalo was unacceptable. They really didn't play well in Buffalo. Lost four to two. They beat Chicago the previous night. You know, and it was a very, very big game for us, and we came up with a 4-2 loss, and they didn't compete the way they were supposed to. So he's threatening to break up the core that they just locked up long-term last year. This shows – As the coach and GM, he has that power so far. Right, right. But this this shows a lack of direction – Management-wise and ownership-wise, and all of a sudden, you know, you spend a lot, you know, what over ten million dollars for Keith Yandel and Jason Demers, and your defense is t- regresses significantly from the point that they made the playoffs last year to this year that being el- almost eliminated. Well, this should be an interesting offseason then for them because maybe they'll leave somebody unprotected that they normally would have protected because they don't like, you know, what's going on. So. I guess everybody in the room who doesn't have no movement clauses will start, like, you know, worrying a little bit. I mean, that's really what it, what it looks like. Yeah, but, I mean, lo- looking at it looking at it just in not going in depth here, but just looking at that team right now, I can't see them trading Barkov. I can't see them trading Huberto. You know, um, maybe they move on from Yarmur Yager if they think that, uh, you know, they, they're – you know they need to move on from him and give younger players more ice time and a better chance on a, on a top line. But really, I mean, I you know, you're not going to move Aaron Ekblad. You're not going to move Trocheck. I mean, who? Yeah, I mean, they might move somebody like that. They might move a Trocheck. They might, they might move um, Yandel if someone would take him at that deal. They're gonna. He's clearly going to try and make some deals if he's still in there because this core, the way it is, it's not on the fast track for the uh, Stanley Cup. No, and, and my my critique during the game was this is what you get when you base all of your acquisitions on their analytics numbers. And I got some flack from that from people saying, well, you know, March or so scored 29 goals. And he's, yeah, great. But but you spent $11 million on Jason Demers. Right. And, you know, you signed James Reimer to a five-year contract. You know, you based if all your moves are were based on analytics, and the one positive is March or so, and then you have everything else in the negative column. Well, then I think it's a failure, and I I, I don't think that I think there are teams out there, and people were throwing back in my face. Well, the Leafs got the biggest analytics staff in the league, but I don't think you're going to see the Leafs making decisions strictly on analytics. It's it's a no, no, they won't. I, and I don't want to say Florida did all of theirs on analytics, but they definitely did some of theirs. And again. I don't, I don't know why this always has to be let's point out why teams are successful with analytics and why they're not successful with analytics. Why can't we just let be in the background a part of the equation? It's always like, and I'm not blaming you and I'm not blaming the other side, but it's always like there has to be this, this war between the two sides instead of it just being, hey, this is hockey. These are the hockey teams. This is a part of what goes into it. Like that's what I would like to see, but, but that doesn't – seem to be possible because you know people always seem to be pushing both agendas right i mean i I think it should be used and utilized as a tool but not as you know not as the magna carta not as the constitution Mm -hmm. where it's like everything is based on no i mean use it as as something that can provide some information but in the end i think you base 
your evaluation of talent that you bring into the organization on observation, on seeing the quality of the player, not just numbers. Because numbers, I think, lie. There are players out there that have great analytics numbers that suck, that, that are not good players. So, and are completely overrated, and that's that's my problem with with with, with what's going on, or what has gone on in Florida, because I think primarily they have used analytics as a basis for some of their moves. But anyway, yeah, I mean, now they have an aging goaltender. Um, the defense will be another year into it next year, so I, I would expect that would get better. They still have a pretty good offensive base, yeah, but the aging goaltender is now an issue. Like this is why we we said even a year ago. You don't know how much longer Roberto Luongo is going to play at the top of his game. Well, I hope I'm wrong, Russ, but the thing is I think you have question of both goaltenders. Not only, uh, you know, James Reimer's ability to be a number one goaltender because I, I, I just don't think he is a a one quality number one goaltender in this league. I think he's, you know, middle of the pack at best. But now you he has had concussion problems throughout his career. And yeah. last night, now it may not be serious, but – it was sort of that whiplash thing, similar to Eddie Lack, but he didn't get carried off on a stretcher, thank God. Right. It was it was a serious it was a serious injury, and you know how how and this has happened over and over with him. So that has to be a concern with somebody who signed for four more years. And Luongo is what thirty eight years old, so that has to be a concern as well. Um, yeah. The one unusual thing about this game, and then we'll move on to other things, obviously. Um, the penalty, I believe, I think it was in the second period, may have been in the third, where Roman Polak was called for high sticking. The replay clearly showed him shooting the puck or batting it out of air and it hitting Jonathan Huberdeau, who snapped back like he'd been shot. And obviously, right. hit in the face of the puck, it's, that's a natural reaction. The referee, you know, Babcock yelled at the referee, Polak yelled at the referee that he didn't high stick. They... Called the penalty. He was in the penalty box. The replay was showed on the ACC uh, board, and they reversed the call, Russ. And even Bol Polak, after the game, said, "Now they can't reverse the they can't reverse the call based on the replay." But they the referees got together, and all of a sudden they reversed the call. Are you telling me that they didn't see the replay when everybody no, else? I, I told it? you things are going to start to occur because of replay, whether or not they're in the rules if they think that it's wrong. So I applaud them for getting it right, but why don't you just tell everybody why you got it right? That's all. I mean, we know. Yeah, and, and Polak even said after the game, I didn't even know that was possible. But that's the whole thing. Like, once you dipped your toe into the video world, yeah, I knew this was going to happen. And, it, and it's fine. I mean, again, they just should put in the rule book that really anything's reviewable – or anything's at the discretion of the referees, and then no one will have a problem. Like it's not that hard to do. Well, Tom Rowe was not a happy camper, I can tell you that. But anyway, um, it's the same thing in baseball. You know, the, you go to the one manager, he says, "No, that's not right." Yeah, you're right. And then you go to the other manager, he's pissed because you just overturned it. Like we've seen that our whole lives. Like it's just the way it is. It doesn't happen as much in hockey. That's all. Now, in other games that had playoff implications or playoff race implications, Boston wins 4-1 to over the Nashville Predators. Tuka Rask uh, returns 24 saves. They get goals from Krejci and Bergeron and Bacchus, all their, all their big guys. Um, Bruins stay, in, stay with, the, with the Leafs. They're only one point behind the Leafs. Uh, Carolina remains one of the hottest teams in the league. They go 8-0-4 in their last 12. They win 4-1 to against the Detroit Red Wings. Um, they're tied with the Islanders now. So right now the race is 
Toronto with 87 and seven games left. Yep. Boston with 86 and six games left. Tampa with 83 and seven games left. The Islanders and Carolina with 82 and seven games left. So this is going to change daily, hourly. Yeah, it's 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 gonna it's gonna be a very, it's gonna be a very. I mean, there are head-to-head matchups with these five teams. I know that uh, Tampa Bay plays Toronto one more time. The Islanders and Carolina do. Uh, you know, so there's a lot a lot of things can change. Now, one thing that came out today, uh, Stephen Stamkos practiced, skated on a line. Uh, not didn't skate on the side. Was not wearing a non-contact jersey. Uh, apparently, this was for the for the first time. He's described by John Cooper as day to day now. But he won't play. Third. I mean, come on, we know he's coming back. I know that he said what he said last week as a precaution. But we knew that if he was in the if they were in the race, he was coming back. Right. And this is no shock to anybody. No, no, and you know I think if it let, let's just say this, I would be. Very surprised if oh if eight days from today, April sixth, when the Tampa Bay Lightning visit Toronto to play the the Leafs, and the the structure right now is pretty much the same, and Tampa is is within four points of the Leafs. That Steven Stamkos is not in the lineup against right. Them. He'll so be he's coming. He's coming back. It's just a question of when yep. and what they do. If they lose three in a row, then they may not risk it. But if they're right, like, but now gonna, that they're close again, they you know I get it. Yeah, and uh, and you know Boston, we we talked about. Uh, well, no, I will, we'll talk about that in a minute. But let, let's t- let's talk about yesterday about the teams that got eliminated. Okay. Um, we had Win- Winnipeg, Buffalo, and uh, LA's got a zero point one chance of being of making the playoffs. So I consider them eliminated. Florida is less than one percent, so I consider them eliminated. But the one that is garnered the most attention is the Detroit Red Wings who for the first time in 25 years will not be in the postseason. We've seen this coming for a while. Which is a good was, thing. Yeah, I thought it was going to happen last year. I mean, you, you look you look at that team, you look at the aging core. Whenever you prolong that, you are just pushing off the inevitable, and, and that's what last year did is it pushed off the inevitable. It's better that it happened, and, and that's what needed to happen organically. Now, the, the only negative about it happening this year is – you know, this isn't 2015 or 2016 where there are, there are generational players at the top of the draft. No, but they'll still help themselves. They'll, yeah, they'll still get they'll still get good players. No, don't no yeah. question. But I'm just saying, you know, the help will not be as immediate. And you know, Ken Holland is a good general manager. There's a good organization in place. They should be able to turn it around. You know, within a few years, it is possible. I mean, I think they still have some contracts that they should, you know, get rid of and clean it. Clean I think it they'll get rid of one one contract or so, one goalie contract. I think there'll be some things they'll do. But the in- interesting commentary from Hall of Famer Chris Chelios, who apparently uh, in recent days has gone on to Detroit radio and said that the rebuild will be easier without Mike Babcock in Detroit. What, where's the facts to back that up? Yeah, well, okay, and this this is the thing. No, they, Other they, than Valtteri Filppula, he's the one guy who doesn't want to play for Babcock. But we talked about this me and a few writers the other day, and it's like we all laughed because we were like, yeah, I guess, you know, nobody likes to win if you don't want to play for Babcock because clearly he's a winner. Well, and and, the, and the, this is the thing. Chelios's, Chelios's um, 
opinion is touched by the fact that he played for Babcock. He was a veteran yes. under Babcock and Babcock probably treated him like he treats most veterans. You should know better than to do certain things. And, you know, he's very hard on them. He, he's, he uses them as examples. And he said that, you know, Chelios indicated that Ryan Suter uh, chose Minnesota over Detroit because he didn't want to play for Babcock. But this is the thing that Chelios is missing. I mean, maybe some of this is true. Maybe it's not true. But that what he's missing is teams are not built in free agency anymore. Right. So, you know, is it going to affect the Maple Leafs that they're not going to be able to, to get, like, unrestricted free agents? I don't think it's going to have as much of because right now – I no, think Only because they have a good base. Right. It will affect other teams that hadn't, don't have that good base who were trying to get back in it. That's who it will affect. And it could, it could affect Detroit, but because they don't have the biggest base anymore either. But, you know, Chelios is just being a windbag. He really is. Now, okay, of the five teams that I mentioned that were eliminated or on the verge of being eliminated, Detroit, Winnipeg, Buffalo, Los Angeles, and Florida, which one of them do you think is the easiest turnaround, a team that could make the playoffs as soon as next year? Los Angeles. Because they still have Jonathan Quick. Yeah. They could they could sign a, uh, a free agent defenseman. They could get rid of a bad contract if they want. There's still enough guys there that know how to win. So I, I still think it's them. But I think, and I agree. I think they're at the higher end here in terms of turnaround because you've got Dowdy Kopitar quick, as right. you said. But there is some tough decisions that need to be made. There is some cleanup that needs. Yeah, to be yeah, made. yeah. No doubt. You know, I mean, but it's just, I would rather clean up that situation than see, like in Winnipeg, hey, is this going to be Hellebuck's year? I mean, I'm not trying to put pressure on him. He's developing goalie. Is this going to be his year? Is, are we going to stay healthy? Or, you know, like that's, a, there's a lot of things that have to happen for Winnipeg to make it next year. And so, you know, and I look at the Sabres and I don't think they're ready. And Florida, I, I really do think they're going to have an up and down existence in the next few years. So, you know, it kind of makes it easy for me to pick the Kings. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know. I and think, they're going to get a high pick this year if they don't make it. Yeah, and I, well, yeah, in the top it just 10. just helps their situation, or they'll make a trade or something. Right, and the, they'll have, they may have a pick in the top 10, but I, I still think for them to be able to make a turnaround, they have to solve the situation regarding, you know, I, I Dustin Brown's contract is, a, is an albatross. I think I think Gabrick's contract is, is, is as well. They're, you know, they're going to have to re-sign to Foley. They're going to have to find room for Pearson. There's a number of things that they're going to have to do, and I think they have to improve, and I don't know if that's going to come internally. So I think it's it's relatively easy, but I think there are some tough choices there. Yeah, no doubt. There's some tough choices, but I think it's doable. Now, the most difficult one, I think, is Detroit. Because yeah, Detroit's too many layers right now. I mean, okay, the, the, the difference between Detroit and, and these other four, okay, Buffalo has Eichel and Sam Reinhart as their, and Ristolainen as their core players. Winnipeg, Elo Although I do have to mention there was an oddity last night where Sam Reinhart was on the bench dressed all game and never played. Yeah, and there was some some sort of uh, uh, breaking of team rules that Dan Bilesma said after the game, but there's been no clarification of what exactly that meant. So I mean, yeah. it, it's it's we knew he was being punished. That was obvious, but we 
we we may never find out why. Yeah, it's strange though. If you're if you're gonna punish him, then scratch him. Why? Well, I guess it's worse if he's you know unless something happened right after the skate, but before the game. Maybe he was on his cell phone. Yeah. Maybe something like that. Maybe. Um, <clears throat> but Buffalo has <clears throat> has uh, Reinhardt, Eichel, and and Ristolainen. Winnipeg has Ehlers, Line A, uh, Shifley. Uh, L.A. has got the, the the core that's won a Stanley Cup, and Florida, yeah. you know, has Barkov and Eckert. and a coach that's won the Stanley Cup until we and, hear otherwise. Right, exactly. Detroit has none of that. Detroit, no. you know, I like Dylan Larkin. I think Dylan Larkin is a fine young player, but Dylan Larkin had a rough sophomore season, and Zetterberg is thirty six years old, so there is no core there. And Anthony Mantham, I think, Thalassu is part of the core. Man, Manth is part of the core. It, it it's not enough because they're lacking in net and lacking in defense. So they're lacking in too many areas. That's the problem for one-year turnaround. Now, um, Anaheim, San Jose clinched the playoff, clinched a playoff spot. That's not a shot. The Edmonton Oilers clinch a playoff spot for the first time since – and somebody mentioned this. The last playoff game they played was game seven of the Stanley Cup final in 2006, which is yeah. – that's, that's, that's shocking. I was there. I was there. That's that crazy to think of. UC Markinen in goal? Yeah. That whole day was crazy because with UC Markinen in net, it was like, really? Because, you know, being a former Ranger and stuff, I didn't even – I had forgotten he was on the roster. Um, Pronger was playing for Edmonton, Steve Steos, guys like that. It was, a, it was a very tough team, but they were definitely offensively challenged. Yes. And I, I, I figured Carolina would do it, and they did. But it was a weird – that was a weird thing where, you know, I was wondering at the time, could these veterans from Edmonton actually pull this off? And, you know, they didn't. But I was wondering that. There was an inkling it, you know, made me think maybe. But Talk about the stars being aligned for, for one team in a, in a playoff year. The Carolina Hurricanes in game seven against Buffalo, three-quarters of Buffalo's defense was out injured or sick. And yeah. guys, guys like Jeff Jilson – and Rory Fitzpatrick were playing 15 minutes or more in Game Seven of a, a conference final. Yeah. They, they come back to win that one, and then they play the third-string goalie in Game Seven of the Stanley Cup Final. That, that's just a yeah. It's the weirdest Game Seven I ever covered because of that. Yeah, but so Anaheim, San Jose, Edmonton, all the teams at the top of the Pacific Div- Division clinch a clinch a playoff spot. There's celebration in the streets of Edmonton. And the New York Rangers also clinch a playoff spot. And, Russ, you wanted to talk about that. Well, you know, the NFL, NHL, rather, NHL came out with a meme that said, party like it's 1994. And the fan base doesn't want to see that. I, I don't know. And apparently there's been that feeling around the garden, too. And I don't know who came up with this marketing plan, but it's a bad one. Because most fans... Don't want to think back to 94. It was a great year. They love the players. I was just at a signing with Mike Richter a couple weeks ago. The line was unbelievable. He deserves all those accolades. But fans don't look behind. They always look ahead. There are some that will live in the past, and that's fine, but most won't. And I just felt like it was a failed marketing strategy to do that. And when I saw that, I cringed. I was like, ooh, this is just – I don't like it. I don't even like it a little bit. And considering they lost the game in overtime, it just gives the weird feeling of the way this is this year has been for them. And 
basically Henrik Lundqvist is not going to be a hundred percent. He in, in a week's time, he's not going to be a hundred percent. There's just no way he he's sort of skirting the issue by saying there's at times he feels good, he feels right, and I think that's the way it's going to be because when you when you have that little bit of a hip you know injury, even if it's just a strain, whatever you know jargon you want to use. The more you get used, the more he's going to feel it at his age. And so I don't care what kind of training method you have, that's going to be an issue. So I'm not bullish on the New York Rangers right now. I don't care what their record is. I don't care what the previous numbers are. If they play Montreal, like I've been saying, they're in trouble. Well, I mean, since since it's a hip injury, you would think that they would you know, maybe rotate him and Ranta off and on throughout the rest of the regular season. Right. They might do that now. Yeah, I mean, I would hope so, but I mean, yeah, if if Henrik Lundqvist is not close to 100 percent and can't play at his at his best, I, I you know I th- I think they can beat the the Canadians, but I I, I, don't I, know. I mean, look at these games. I mean, these games are high scoring that he's coming back on. I mean, when's it going to be a low scoring game? Yeah. Um, well, a couple, couple little news and notes here. Um, we, we've discussed, uh, Charlie McAvoy, who was, I think the best or second best defenseman at the world junior in, in Montreal for team USA. Uh, he has signed an amateur tryout contract with the Providence Bruins, the AHL affiliate of the Boston Bruins. Now that doesn't mean you know, his college career is over with, but right. they haven't agreed on the three-year entry-level deal yet. At least it hasn't been announced yet. So well, here's here's what's in the wind. Okay. What's in the wind is I guess if Boston were to make the playoffs, they may call him up and may be willing to wipe a year of his ELC off as a result. And so because that's what's that's what's in the wind. But right now, since they're not guaranteed to be in the playoffs. They put him on an ATO basis, which technically is better for the kid anyhow because, you know, you don't want him to be on this Bruins team if they don't make the playoffs. He doesn't need to be a part of that and play bottom-pairing minutes where he's not going to do that. You can put him in Providence in the right situation. He'll play the right minutes. He'll get a playoff run out of it, and it'll be good. And then if for some reason they want to put him on the postseason roster, then they'll come to a contract agreement and do it. And if not, then they'll do it after the season. That's fine. How would that burn a year of entry level? He has they to could just wipe it out. I, I've had a lot of conversations with a lot of different people, and it looks like they could still just, you know, let them wipe it out with that with that service. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I mean, I, I think he – I mean, I don't know if he would be a dis- difference maker right off the bat, but we know he's a very good – I mean, he can't hurt. <laughs> no, he can't hurt. And, uh, and I think the Bruins, you know, I mean, they're going to be in a battle for the remainder of the they – have, they, have, they have the least amount of games of those five teams we talked about for in the, ra- in the race for the East. So they're going to have to, you know, they're probably going to have to win at least three and maybe four of those games to lock yeah. themselves. They're not shutting the door or bringing them up, but I think everybody's doing the right thing with this, the way it's gone. Yeah, no – Thankfully, yesterday there was finally an agreement made, a resolution to this, uh, I think, PR disaster known as. That's the- why I wear my Isabel Cup hat just to support women's hockey. Yes, I mean, it, you know, it, the U.S. USA Hockey and the U.S. Women's Hockey Team reached a four-year agreement, and according to Kevin Allen from USA Today, who's been on the webcast many a time, the players will make around seventy thousand each per year and potentially more than 100000 in Olympic years if they win the gold. Uh, the women's team players also secured other benefits like upgraded airfare and accommodations that put them on par with the men's national team counterparts, which is 
a, a basically the the parameters of what Hockey Canada has given the, the women's players for, for in, in Canada. So, which I'm, is great. I mean, that's they, you know that's what they were looking for. They were looking for not exactly what the men get, but just a better deal, and they got a better deal. Yeah, they they got a better deal, and I'm very happy for them. I just think this could have been avoided, but they, they you know, they, what they did was they had a choke point. They had the world championships in Plymouth, you know, at the end of March. Yep. You know, this was, you know, this was an opportunity to get no, to get notice and to put pressure on USA hockey. And they think they, they did it pretty well. And now, you know, hopefully things will now settle down, but it could have been avoided. And I think, yeah, it definitely could have been avoided, but you know, now that this is gone through, I am really happy. I'm happy that it's you know it's finally over and the world championships start on the 31st. Is it? I think so. Friday. Yeah, I think I'm pretty sure. Yep. And and so that's good. But I got to tell you, there there there's a lot of boobery going on there on Twitter with just a lot of men trying to say, well. The women don't make as much money as the men, but they don't really understand how everything works dollar-wise. They think that if some reporters put out some dollar figures that they know exactly what USA Hockey is making, which is not true. And so, like, you will get the worst of possible articles and headlines, like this one that was on Philly.com from John Smallwood. U.S. women ice hockey players need a league of their own. That's the headline. Well, they have two leagues of their own already. Like, what are you talking about? And then they show a picture of the Flyers. And I'm thinking, could you make this any worse? Just not even starting the article, could it not get any worse than that? I'm sure they've gotten negative feedback, and they haven't changed it. And it's like, okay. And look, there are some good points in the article. I don't want to totally kill it, saying that, hey, maybe the NHL can do more for the women's league. That's fine. All that's fine. Maybe they can have a WNBA-type league. Well, they don't need to do that now because there are two leagues. They could just support those. And, and they would be fine, right? Or just get them to merge into one down the line if that's what's right for the sport. But the idea that they have two leagues and they, there's a headline like this, it, it's just it's it mind-boggling. It just shows a lack of knowledge, really. It shows a lack of knowledge. And then there were a lot of, you know, like I said, a lot of men out there that just showed a lack of compassion for the situation, figuring, well, you know, it's not me, not my daughter, so – you know, why are they acting like crybabies? You know, get back to the rink. That kind of attitude. Mm -hmm. And and that really bugged me. So I've held, I've bitten my tongue until now because this article is a couple days old too. But I did feel like this didn't help. And I think they, they meant well by writing it, but putting out the complete wrong information did not help the argument. And, but everybody else did. And, and even, even in Washington, even that a little extra pressure when you don't want to see politics get involved in sports, this was a time where it did help by just mentioning the cause. Yeah, I, I, I'm not, I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure how much help or how much attention. Well, it didn't hurt it. That's for sure. It, no, it didn't hurt it. I actually think the thing that 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 provided the most weight was the threat or was the hint of a threat of the men for the yes. World Championships uh, not going or, or showing solidarity with the, with the women. I think that more than anything help because then you know then it bleeds into an area where you know 
you know, USA Hockey really has all most of it has up until now had most of their focus, which is you know development of the of the men's game, the USHL, the uh, the national development team, and and the US in the World Championships, the World Cup, and the Olympics. So, you know, I, I think that I think that now we wish them luck. What's that? Now we wish them luck, and we hope they win the gold. Yes, we do. Um, okay, talking about international hockey, it keeps coming back, and you know there there may be some news today. Uh, apparently, you know Gary Bettman and some representatives of the NHL and the NHLPA are over in China. Um, there are scheduled to be two exhibition games in China uh, in the fall. Um, there's a lot of attention about and a lot of focus on the 2022 Olympics in uh, in Beijing, and the NHL's clearly had an aim of, I think, wanting to go to that one, but not wanting to wanting to go to Pyeongchang, which is mm -hmm. uh, next February. And the IOC, you know, has there there's now a battle of press releases that's been going on. The IOC, um, in a press release. Uh, uh, yesterday or today tied NHL participation to China, the Chinese Olympics to the 2018 games in Pyeongchang. Um, the IIHF has offered to pay the insurance. But they already offered that, didn't but, they? Right. But that, see, that's the thing. They offered it, but the NHL doesn't want that money from them. The NHL wants concessions from the IOC. And if they don't get concessions from the IOC, I think this is going nowhere. And that's they, what they want those they want that advertising. That's what they, they want. want. They want they want advertising, merchandising, you know, the ability to show highlights, the ability to like all these things that you think would be not that big of a deal, which the IOC lets the NBA do, but doesn't let the NHL do. And if the the IOC essentially has said we're not giving up we're not giving up anything more, and I think if they stick to that, Russ, yeah, they're not going. No, I agree. They're they're not going to go, and I, I just think it's crazy. I really do. I just I don't understand all this last minute stuff with it. Like this is information we already knew was out there. We already knew the one was tied to the other. We already knew that insurance was going to eventually get paid. Uh, this is like everybody making a last-ditch effort, but not with their full capacity. Like everybody's making a partial last-ditch effort, so neither side loses, you know, whatever edge they feel like they have, and and time's just running out. Like that's just at the end of the day, time is running out, and so I don't know what's going to happen. I still don't think they're going to go, but the story won't go away. Like it won't. Yeah, it, it won't. And I mean, well, what will make it go away finally will be will be the the final answer, which apparently uh, will happen. Or at least the deadline set forth by either the IOC or the I. It was uh, the IIHF was was late April. I'm hoping it'll be it'll be resolved before then. Um, I, I would say it's less than fifty fifty that they're that they're going. But you know, I. I I, I will yield to some other others' opinions that it, the fact that there hasn't been a deadline means that the NHL, if they get something, will go. But I just don't know if they'll get something. That's the problem. I don't know if the, I don't think the IOC is is completely implacable. They will not move. They will not give them anything. And if they don't, I don't see Bettman saying, "Okay, we're we're going to give you our players for free, and you get the benefit from it." Yeah, and again, I I really think this is so dead. I'm not even sure why 
we're talking about it anymore, but I, I'm pretty sure it's dead. I just think each side wants to show what they're willing to offer to try and make the other side look bad. I, I think that's where we're at. Yeah. Um, four games on the schedule tonight in the NHL. Um, none of them really with any kind of great playoff implications, the Blues and the Coyotes. I mean, we're in, we're in the West, we're talking mostly about positioning now since they're all eight teams are, you know, L.A., like I think, is, is like I said, a 0.1 chance of making the playoffs. So Nashville's in. The Blues are in. It's just a question of who's going to finish in a wild card spot, who's going to finish first, second, or third in the division. So there'll be those battles. But, you know, everybody knows that they're in. So Blues, Coyotes, Capitals, Avalanche, that has an effect on the Capitals in terms of them finish, getting the President's Trophy. Uh, Kings Flames, as we uh, mentioned. Kings Do they want the President's Trophy? I don't I, know. I don't know. You know, I, I personally wouldn't, but, uh, I mean, I think they want the home ice advantage if they play against Pittsburgh or they play against Columbus. I mean, that's what I you're going to play for than the, than the players. That I mean, I just wonder how hard – is it how much, how much resources do you want to spend as a team to win that when you could be, you know, resting players and, and you know, lowering their minutes a little bit and, and doing some things like that? that that's what I have to question because – in the end, you will get killed more if you win the President's Trophy and don't go far in the playoffs than if you don't win the President's Trophy and don't go far in the playoffs. Right. The big game of the night, the NBC uh, SN game, is uh, the Blackhawks and the Penguins, a potential Stanley Cup uh, preview. <clears throat> um, the one concern I would have with the Penguins, I mean, we know it's tough to repeat. We know that Sidney Crosby's having a fantastic year, but a lot of injuries. At yeah. Right now, now they'll probably get most of these guys back right before the end of the season, but we know how it is when a player comes back after being off for a couple of weeks. It takes them a while mm -hmm. to get back in the swing of things. And if you're facing, if you're Pittsburgh, you're you know more than likely you're facing either Boston or Toronto in the first round if you win the division. But if you don't win the division, you're playing Columbus. Yeah, and that's going to be a blood feud. Oh yeah. <clears throat> I mean, that's, that's going to be a tough series. Columbus is going to be a tough out this year. If they advance, it wouldn't shock me. They have great goaltending. They have great young players. The coach is playing. Is, you know, Tortorella is doing it right this year. A lot of things are going their way, and they're under the radar. Nobody is going to pick them to beat anybody, and they're fully capable of beating teams. Well, I just hope for one – I hope that Brandon Dubinsky has a new reinforced pair of gloves, and he's wearing a cup. Because Sidney Crosby is coming. <laughs> Listen, they've, you know, that other than Mike Richards, I can't think of another player in the league that's had a bigger feud with Crosby. He, he had it ever since he was a Ranger, and this is nothing new. And but it's a weird thing because if you think about it, back in the day, no player really had a feud with Wayne Gretzky, right? They would have had to have a feud with Semenko or one of his guys. You never got to Wayne Gretzky. No. But now in this era, with Crosby being the best player, he actually has to fight his own battles. It is a different kind of thing. And, look, he brings a lot of it on himself. There's no question about it. Right. But, I mean, the Crosby-Ovechkin feud, it's not It's It's like, like a head-on-head -head matchup because, obviously, Ovechkin's a winger and Crosby right. is a – you know, but it's – I mean, it's first pick overall. It's but they don't hate each other. There's no hate there. Dubinsky and Crosby. There's a hate. There's a hate with some of these players. And but like I said, you know, like you didn't have to, Gretzky. Never had to do that with anybody. He never had to deal with that. 
That was because the league was different then, and you had yeah. these guys playing on your line. Now he has to deal with it. But like I said, he brings a lot of it on himself. It, 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 to me, it makes it more interesting. It certainly is a story within the story. But I will tell you this about Sidney Crosby. Really, nothing rattles him. Like, no, it really doesn't. No, but it takes him off his game. I rarely, even the first game, when he first played against the Flyers and Darian Hatcher was carving up his face, and and I remember he had blood and everything else. If you remember that game, if you watched it, yeah, he still scored a goal, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Here, I'll just I'll just do this to end the show because this will whet the appetites of people. Now, you know, we are eleven days, I believe, from the end of the season. Yeah. Uh, right now, the matchups, the playoff matchups in the East would be Washington against Boston, uh, Columbus and Pittsburgh in the in the Metro, second and third. Columbus with the with a home ice. The Rangers would face Montreal, Ottawa and Toronto in the as the two three in the Atlantic. I mean, those. I mean, the to me, the two best matchups there are Ottawa, Toronto. And Columbus, Pittsburgh will be yeah. will be wars. Um, and, and I think Rangers, Montreal will be more of a war than you think, though. Well, as you've said a few times, and I, you know, the, the Canadians definitely loaded up with a bunch of rats. Yes, for, for a game against the Rangers, and and you know, tell you tell me that Alex Burrows and Dion Phaneuf playing against the Leafs will not uh, engender some some emotion. Well, I mean, it will, although. You know, although last night against the Flyers, they no-showed. Like, those guys didn't have a factor, and the Flyers kept themselves alive. Uh, so you would think that that's just sort of the lull maybe now now that they know they're going to be in the playoffs. Although they didn't clinch last night either with a point. They no. still need another point, I think, to clinch. So, but I think they expect to do that, you know. In the West, it would be Chicago, St. Louis. <laughs> Which I, I don't think Chicago wants. Uh, it would be Minnesota, Nashville in the Central is the two three. Anaheim, Calgary, and San Jose, Edmonton. So all good series, you know. Uh, I could see Nashville actually coming through that one. I don't well, think based, Louis, based on the way Minnesota's playing lately. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I don't think St. Louis is going to win their series. I don't. I think Edmonton would have a chance. I do. The, the interesting thing with Edmonton will be, what are we going to see out of Cam Ward all of these games? Oh, Cam Talbot. Cam Talbot. Yeah, Cam – no, Cam Talbot. Yeah, Cam no. Talbot, sorry. I mean, what are we going to see out of him? Well, I mean, if it was me, you'd, you'd see somebody who's ready to go to sleep after playing 70-plus games. In the I game. mean, they could rest him now. They could finally rest him now. Well, I, I'm fairly sure in the, one of the last couple games they did play Brasson. So, I mean, I would okay. assume they would give him – now that they've clinched a playoff spot, I'm assuming – Give him a couple they, starts. Yeah, if you give him a couple starts, give Talbot a little bit of a breather because, you know, based on the, your usage – Because I think he's going to play the most games in the league now that Anderson sat a little bit. Yeah, and uh, late late news here. Uh, the Leafs have sent Garrett Sparks back to the Marlies, so that at least means that Anderson will be the backup tomorrow. But uh, after uh, after uh, before leaving for Nashville, uh, Anderson said he felt good and basically okay. wants to start. So we'll, we'll see what happens tomorrow as they play the Predators. So. That'll be interesting. Um, I want to give myself a pat on the back, but also a pat to a guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, – when I was watching UMass Lowell, I, I saw them play a couple of games, and there was a guy 
Joe Gambardella, who I liked. I told you about him. He's from Staten Island. I know some teams were interested in him, and Edmonton signed him yesterday. And I was very happy for the guy because the first time I mentioned him was the first game. Somebody, um, Adam Herman, who, who's a good reporter, covers the Rangers online, he, um, he had mentioned that, hey, C.J. Smith looks really good. You know, the Rangers had him in camp. And I, you know, and I basically was like, yeah, I kind of like the the center better right now. Like I even, you know, C.J. Smith had a goal. This, the Gambardella didn't. But he was always in on the action. He was always in front of the net. He was doing all the little things. Did the same thing the next game that they were in. And so I gave him a little push, guys, from Staten Island. I always have a little soft spot for for a guy like from Staten Island. Because now we're starting to see more players from Staten Island. It's interesting, you know, LeBanc being one of them. I mean, it goes back to what? Nick Fatia was from Staten Island. But there haven't been that many. You know, it's a short list. And so it's nice to just see another guy turn pro from there. So I'm just happy for the guy. All right. Uh, we will be back tomorrow with another edition of the Hockey Buzzcast. Well, Peter Tessier, we may have Eck, but it would be Russ and I, and we'll discuss the games that have happened tonight uh, in the NHL and whatever news and rumors and other stuff that happens. Uh, for Russ Cohen, I'm Michael Agello. Thanks for watching, and remember, without the buzz, it's just hockey.